It is a time of rebellion. It is a time of revolution. It is a time that has been since he was six years old. satisfied. They're everywhere. They're watching me now. Soon enough, these days will end. There will be no rules going forward. Case for Rebellion. That's what a reckoning sounds like. A Fandom Awakens Radio spin-off podcast. Alright, gang, and welcome to the latest episode of Fulcrum, A Case for Rebellion, our Fandom Awakens Radio spin-off podcast covering, you guessed it, Andor, streaming exclusively on Disney+. Plus, But you probably already knew that, because it's probably going to renew for most of you at this point. We're getting ready to. Who knows? I am your host, David Sennon, your master of ceremonies. And with me, your friend of mine, all the way out in Dagobah, or, you know, Florida, probably looking Dagobah in some parts of it. Thanks again. Uh, your friend of mine, Kyle Wagner. Kyle, how's it going, bud? How did I end up on this podcast? I'm only a tourist. <laughs> uh, well, you ended up on this podcast because you're one of the one of the very rare, rare fans that doesn't sound like he lost his shit. I never had it in the first place, so. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay, fine. I think we can blame Moondoggy for that. Oh, I, I think it's more Ian at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I prefer the Ian where um, lightning came out of his fingertips, not, you know, the Ian blowing things across the city. Oh, well, that Ian, this Ian had some lightning, too, but that's a whole other story. But so we are I'm here to sure. talk about, we are we are here to talk about a heist and some tourism and a few other things, because we're going to hear talk about the last most recent two episodes of Andor. Mm-hmm. Now, again, getting the Quacky Monk Lizard out of the room, I just want to say, in this discussion we will have today, if you are triggered by anything we talk about, anything that these two episodes brought up, especially things toward the end of episode seven that may be, you know, maybe a tad touchy-feely for some people, but if you are triggered by certain things, I just I just got one one question for you. What the crypt do you think Star Wars was trying to do for all these years? This is true. So, so 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 okay. We, we, before we get started on the episode, I have a question. Sure, go ahead. So, there's been all this stuff hubbub especially on of the last week about oh andor's not pulling these big ratings and stuff like that i i have a legitimate question i, I, I want your opinion on david yeah. this has nothing to do with the people freaking out over who's watching andor and who's not but no, i i have no, a no. thought we, process. we don't go down that rabbit hole anyway yeah. but i do have a thought process that. about andor and i want to see I, I, I would like your opinion you think to see if you kind of agree with me on this sure i think andor 
is so different from anything we've ever had in Star Wars. Even though it spins out of Rogue One, I think it's even taken such different different directions than what Rogue One has in its storytelling. That I think I think it's a slow burn show. I think it's I think it's been very good. I, I liked what it's done. But I think the average Star Wars fan, not the diehard Star Wars fan, but the average Star Wars fan is having a hard time with the show because they don't quite know what to do with the show and what to think of this show. Yes. I absolutely 100% agree with that, yes. I, I think that we are in a society where we're, and I think especially the more modern Star Wars fan, and when I say modern Star Wars fan, David, I'm going to talk about people who maybe Clone Wars or Force Awakens was their initial introduction to Star Wars? Well, let's just say Clone Wars because modern Star Wars fans are still, to me, the ones coming off of you just had animation and that was it. Yeah, okay, okay, that's fine. I don't think they appreciate the slow burn aspect of this show and I think it's because of also we are living in the era of binge watching and shorter seasons 10 seems to be the max number people seem to have and yeah. i just think people aren't appreciating what is trying to be done with the show and playing a longer story and a slower burn and they're what they what they see as this is boring or this is too slow moving is actually i think some really in-depth storytelling and character development and it's something i think we've been lacking with a lot of things in fandom these days because we are so quick to get to the the high point of the story because we only have so many episodes and we don't get the kind of character development that maybe we should be getting. Yeah. And I think yeah, Andor has been doing that. The character development because if I can add something real quick. Yep. And again, this is a, you know, as you and Kevin would put it a hot take. Sorry, I don't have the sound, <laughs> but here you go. All right. Uh, it's it's the kind of character development that I'm sorry we ninety percent of the time did not see from George. George no, was we... so George was so hell bent to get from one thing to the other to the other. Now, granted, his stuff worked because you know, especially with the original trilogy, he he had this magical thing called collaboration. Mm -hmm. Say that with me, kids. Collaboration. Which, you know, if you, if you recall, Kyle, was one of the things devoid in the, in the prequels because, well, let's he surrounded just say, himself with yes let's just say money here, money there, ego inflated, um, it got to him. Yep. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm gonna say. End of end of hot take. Yeah, no, and I think I think I think that's what's happening. But I I do think I think that's what's happening with Andor is mm -hmm. that this is the type of show that Star Wars fans aren't used to. No, they're not. They're really not. And I think this is the type of show that there's a lot of Star Wars fans who are going. This is much too grown up for my Star Wars. Right. Because... Well, and, and and also, I'm just going to point out, everything I love about this is what I wanted to love with The Mandalorian. Well, but I, th I think I think it's, it's something you brought up before, too, David, and I've heard other people bring this up. George Lucas has always been adamant. Star Wars is written for 12-year-olds. Right, well, yeah. Newsflash, and or isn't written for 12-year-olds. No, 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 no. But I, I'm going to go back to the point I made, uh, you know, when we were doing our show with uh, Kevin and Marcus, is that, you know, the morality tale, the, the sort of uh, uh, black and white, gray, you know, uh, morality tale that Andor is, you know, it's, it's injecting the war into Star Wars. When you take that out... What you're left with is what George Lucas gave. Right. And what we're getting to is... And, a, and is a, like I pointed out, that's not teaching the kids anything. 
Well, the other th- the other thing that Tony Gilroy is doing with Andor, and it was re- especially in Episode Seven, mm-hmm. is Star Wars is a political spy thriller. Yeah, and yeah that's very... what and that's what Andor is. It's a political spy thriller. Mm-hmm. You know, so it is something incredibly different. Yes, newsflash, kids: politics has always been a big part of Star Wars. <laughs> Uh, and, and and Kyle, not just kids, but um, uh, newsflash adults. Sorry, it is. All of all of you for years and years and years have been. When has Star Wars been political? And I'm like, newsflash. Spoiler alert. It's always been. Well, and I think we see with these two episodes that we're going to be talking about david we see both sides of the star wars coin really yeah, shown do. In these yeah two we do episodes because we start with episode six which is a absolutely wonderful heist story yeah full of action full of what makes star wars to a lot of people star wars it's fast paced it's moving there you've got scut you've got blaster fights you've got incredible effects you've got tie fighters flying around right right it's 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 everything that i think most average star wars fans expect from their star wars i'm just gonna point out one thing mm-hmm. episode six is the kind of heist stuff i would have wanted and expected from solo i no, mean is I... that fair is that fair to say I, I think to a point, yes. I mean, with Solo, you know you were going to get a little bit more of the... I don't want to say silly, but less than serious side of it, too. They were right, play- right. I mean, if they take another crack at Solo, which is, a, I know, another issue to be discussed, but um, I would I would think, I would hope, that what they've learned from Andor would be a blueprint well, and 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 here's the thing too, David, and yeah. this comes back to the point I was making about the slow burn. If we don't have the time to develop this group of people in this heist, mm-hmm. the impact of this episode is so much lesser. Right. No, I agree. Yeah, definitely. I, I Especially mean, with um, uh, the kid, what's his name, Nimic? Yeah, I mean, you have all of that. You you have the end scene. Where he's talking to the former, uh, the guy who lost, said he lost his brother. Turns out he's going to sell them out, and or kills him. And I mean, just just that scene. If you don't have that character development, that scene means absolutely nothing. Right. And that scene, especially because when Andor shoots him, uh, you you start to see that a little bit of that Andor that I believe. Tony's comments have indicated that season two will end when we see more of that Andor as he's going to the rings of Kavrim. Yeah. So, everybody, I mean, I loved uh, episode six. I loved from, from start to finish. We knew it was yeah. going to be the big, big heist episode, and I think it lived up to everything that we thought was coming. Oh, it was did. That. And it again, did. I go back to, though, if we didn't have the time for the character development in the prior episode, this episode would have lacked would have lacked a lot of that emotional punch it had you mean uh, uh as we talked about before the um the pointer scene stuff that uh that uh, George Lucas has been well documented in saying he's not a fan of pointer scenes you mean those yeah basically i mean that's basically what episode five was a a big huge pointer scene yeah yeah more or less. So six, we get all the action and it's beautifully done. I, I I'm gonna say right now the the ending se- sequence when they're leave when they're escaping, oh, and they're the flying eye? through the meteor shower oh, is one of man. the most amazing Star Wars effects I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, now I, I will admit I do lament the fact that I'm not watching uh, spectacles like this on the big screen. No, I get. I know, and I, I because I, this I, is I the kind that. of stuff that deserves that. 
But we've got to take what we can get right now, and what we seem to get I is know, a is is a lock on the on the small screen. Luckily, you know, with the technology of today's televisions, they still do it. It still looks a lot better than if we were going to watch it on an old tube TV. I think you, I think you and I just dated ourselves. I was carbon you. dated. You've years got ago, like ten so. years on me, pal. Yeah, I was carbon dated years ago, so. <laughs> but no, I mean, just you know, I'm thankful we have the technology we do. Whether it's 4K, high definition, Dolby Sound, if you have that, you do have. It's not the theater experience, but you are at least seeing it in a high quality. No, I know. I just lament the fact that you know, and I say the same thing with with some things with Marvel. It's like uh, Disney. I don't exactly like how you pivoted both of these IPs. Uh, because their strengths are the big screen. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll agree with you there. So I think I'm not I... exactly a big, huge fan of how Disney has pivoted both of these IPs right now. Yeah, well, I, I get it. Because they I, both I, I... can do better and both deserve better. Yeah, but I think I think to get the quality, the quantity and quality out that we're getting, I think you have to give some of it to, to, to the Disney Plus side it's just a, oh I, oh, I was... oh no doubt of that and the difference make no mistake about it the difference now between you know last time you know waiting in between movies and this disney plus yeah well that's and that, the and difference that, yep exactly right there but... i mean last time we had a bunch of books that uh, even george ignored yeah exactly exactly but so but see, this is where the dichotomy, though, of Andor comes in, too, David, because we're talking about Episode 6, but then we also look at Episode 7 when we realize just how big the impact of what the heist was and what right. it pulled off. And you even see that a little bit at the end of, the end of Episode 6 when uh, Mom Mothra is giving her speech and nobody's paying attention because they're all looking at their tablets finding out about this heist. Oh, I just thought it was because... Um... You know, they spent so much on the effects for the eye that they literally couldn't fill the Senate hole. Oh, that that that, that probably that probably was part it's of like it. Too, the, it's like I'm sorry, the eye was one of those effects where it's like where I'm sitting there watching it awestruck at like three twenty in the morning, right? Because this mm-hmm. was about what a a, a thirty minute episode once you take out the whole previously on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, stop lying about your time. If you want to be accurate with your time, remove the previously on stuff and just get on with it. Because we're on to you. But, you know, when I was watching uh, that effect, I'm like, well, they they blew their budget money, so clearly they had no budget for uh, the Senate Hall. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. And like now, I said... It, now, a small detail, though, isn't she talking the Gorn Massacre? And isn't that what causes her to defect, denounce Palpatine, and she ends up joining Ezra and Gru? I, I believe so, but I don't... I, I, I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on my details at the moment. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, you've had your reasons. Your <laughs> unfortunate, but, unfortunate Florida Bastion reasons. Yeah. But again, what I what I see is the dichotomy between episode six and episode seven. Where well, with episode seven, it, to me, it's just as intriguing as episode six because of the political intrigue and the yeah. games, the chess games Mon Mothra is playing in right. episode seven when she's navigating the, the dinner and talking to people and trying to you know oh, the double talk. I'll just say this, and I've yet to get into House of the Dragon. I'm, was I'm still a little bruised from, you know, Game of Thrones, and I'm like, how dare you! But this, these two episodes, right? Mm-hmm. So well written, so concise, and this dialogue is so tight, which is unusual for Star Wars because, well, George wrote the dialogue as if we were still in the 30s, but, um, you know. Just just with no action at all and just pretty much dialogue throughout, especially with episode seven. 
This is as intriguing as any episode of Game of Thrones when the original series was good. Well, and I, I look at, too, one of the things that I like so much about Episode 7, too, was you're seeing the immediate reactions and fallout, fallout from across, of this heist across so many different platforms. You're seeing that not only true, how it yeah. affects the Empire and what's going on with the internal services of the Empire and how it's kind of, you got you see the political games they're playing there for positions of power, mm-hmm. but you're even seeing it with the Rebellion side when you have Mom Mothra go speak to Stellan Skarsgård's character, and she's like, well, what are you going to do with this money? What does this mean? And she's you can tell she's feeling like she's going to get maybe left hanging out to dry here because uh-huh. yeah. she was kind of the bankroll, and now they don't really need her as the bankroll. But she, so, so now she's trying to play up this angle so she can get access to her family money to still be the bankroll. So it, everybody's playing for their positions here right now, and it, that's what's making it more interesting. And in the meantime, then you have Andor, who's just looking to get home to rescue his own family. Yeah. And they don't they they're also in the mindset of what of the aspect of what Andor has done, and I don't think Cassian fully understands the scope yet of everything what he's done represents, and where he's just looking just to get away and hide and protect his family. They're, they're, they're seeing the bigger picture. You know where I think it really learns that? Where, where is that? Uh, when he uh, goes home back to um, uh, Marva oh, yeah. and, mm-hmm. uh, and B2. Yeah, and Marva's insistent, no, it's time to rebel again. It's time yeah. to stand up to the Empire. Yep. Can I say during the little uh, flashbacks, like with, you know, when Clem was home, Right. Oh God, that was tough. That was tough. That was tough, but it's it's. I'm just okay. This was a this was a a, a thorn in my craw for all the years since episode two. There's never been one single, uh, uh, like legitimate clone trooper armor. Not one. It was all digitized. I'm I'm not really a fan of when you do that, you know. And you're basically watching a movie that's a freaking computer screen for two two and a half hours, or yeah. in Avatar's case, three. But what's wildly refreshing is finally seeing real, legitimate, authentic clone trooper armor. Yeah. Which I believe is the Phase 1 armor, no less. Yeah, I believe you're right. Yeah. Which which just shows you how far back it is. Because that's like the beginning of the war. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going by Clone Wars timeline, but Clone Wars, the relationship between Clone Wars and I is um, maybe one that the kids won't like me for. <laughs> but that's I'm not a discussion for another day. Yeah, that's a, that's a discussion for another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, you know, I, I look at this episode and uh, episode seven, which Gilroy even has said that he intended to kind of be kind of its own standalone episode. Maybe it sets up some things. Yeah, his work. his comments are well without without going into it because we have the regular show for you know other issues to go over and Kyle you and I've discussed them off mic already anyway but to just go into it the comments Gilroy made about episode 7 feel like uh, the certain comments made recently where a standalone sounds like a, a pivot film now, whether that happens or not, another matter. We'll talk about that on, our, on a regular show at some point. But, you know, um, relating it to Gilroy's comments here, right? Mm-hmm. It almost feels like a, a, episode seven was a pivot uh, for the halfway point in uh, Andor. Oh, I, I think it very much. Where eight, I, through, eight through 12 is going to be... I, I think this is where we see our uh, our time jump. If we see any at all. Well, I, I think we might see a little bit of a time jump, not a huge one. Yeah. I think 
I think the remaining episodes are going to be a two two fold thing. One, we're going to see Andor really embrace the rebellion and become yeah. part of it. Yeah. And yeah. I also think I also think we're going to see with Mom Mothra kind of her finding her place in the rebellion. Let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. Do you think in this next half, we're go- and we have like what five episodes left or something? Yeah, five episodes. Yeah. Do you think in this next half we're going to see? Uh, well, this sounds funny to say, seesaw. Oh yeah, we're definitely gonna see Sagamera in this season. Yeah. He's already he's been advertised for it. I know he's been advertised, but he hasn't shown up yet. Well, yeah, I think he should. I think we're going to see him. We might see him in the finale. Now, he, where we'll do you, see him. where do you think whether it's here or season two? And I guess season two is a longer wait time for that discussion, but because uh, I think twenty twenty four is what Gilroy was talking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. But when do you think we see the injuries that put Saw in kind of that that poor man's Vader state? I think we already see him having some of them the next time we see him on screen. Maybe not all of them, but some of them. Oh, so I, you, I think, th- you think it's not all at once. You think we no. see the slow progression of him deteriorating into the saw we see in Rogue yeah. One? The price you pay for following your beliefs. See, I see I thought I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this, right? Mm-hmm. I thought originally before Rogue One was coming out that that would be uh, him uh, trying to, uh, you know, uh, uh, trying to stop Vader, and you know, going by that Clone Wars arc, what a what a an interesting thing that would have been because um, you know Anakin slash Vader basically trained Zahn his men. Yeah. True. So I th- I thought I thought that would have worked somewhere and would have explained more of why we see him in this kind of um, poor man's hobo Vader state uh, in Rogue One, but nothing came of that. So yeah, no, I think I think you see. But you see of... what I mean, though. Yeah, no, but I think you see more of Saw coming up here. And I think whether it's in the finale and the book carries over into season two or not, we'll see somewhat. I think when we see him, like I said, he'll be somewhat in that shape already. Just, but I think we will see him progress further, further along into what we saw in Rogue One than what. But he'll be when we see him at the start of this. Well, that makes sense. But I, I, I think I think there's a couple other things too. I think I would not be one hundred percent shocked if in the finale we didn't actually get our first real look at k2so well we kind of did with episode seven yeah i mean we we saw them in his full but i'm talking about the k2so reprogrammed as we know him oh now okay here's a question yes but this means something tragic happening to um our favorite new low trash can b2 emo <laughs> Very yeah, I, I I I don't see it ending well for B two. Yeah, but here but here's my here's my question though. Do you think something happens to him, but to save him, Cassian basically takes B 2s memory, and hijacks one of these uh, was it uh, uh, KX Imperial security droids? Yeah, it's it's possible. That's a that's a distinct possibility. And then all of a sudden, it sounds like Alan Tudyk. Yeah, well, you know, if it sounds like Alan Tudyk, you can't quite go wrong. So right, right, right. Oh, by the way, and uh, I maybe maybe this is uh, maybe this is uh, you know uh, fan love because Florida needs something to beat right now. I had mm-hmm. no idea space Florida music could sound so catchy. <laughs> Yeah, it had a nice beat to it. Yeah, I mean, uh, now what what part of Florida is that? Uh, I would say that's probably like maybe like Fort Lauderdale or along those lines, Miami maybe. 
Yeah. I do remember those photos when they were shooting like two years ago or whatever it was. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree, but yeah, I mean that was that was the one thing I will say about episode seven too, is it kind of took that weird left turn when they got him on that planet. Yeah, kind it of just, a kind of a strange left turn. It, it was just I think it was so sudden. Uh, although I will point out, uh, I think the sudden left turn, yeah. <laughs> Forget space Florida. Uh, the sudden left turn is, and again, Star Wars for grown-ups, Whether it's Bix or you know the woman casting us with consensual sex in the Star Wars universe. Oh, I know. What what a concept, right? We we've seen bathrooms, we've seen showers, you know. Yeah, I mean, what a con- what a concept. Yeah. It's like oh man, and and I thought people had a problem in the EU when calf was mentioned. Yeah, well, you know. We get getting a little bit more real life here in our Star Wars. I have no problem with that. So, None at all. Especially when I, you're, especially when your heroines look like bigs. Yeah, that's true. But, yes. Um, you know, it, it's just again, it, it's, it's what I think makes has has been the, for me what makes Andor so great is that though even it takes this weird left turn, the storylines that are running through Andor are just so well thought out and well. I I know, right? Seriously. Now, let's talk about, and I was talking about at the top of the show, the one moment, right, that obviously, you know, as I was saying, uh, you know, people may or may not be triggered by, but you know the one I mean, where the KX KX droid uh, uh, pins up uh, Andor, uh, and just before that, the shore troopers accosting him, Oh yeah. That... Again, people, this may may or may not be triggering to some, and if it is triggering to you, and sparks immediate conversation, guess what? That's what Star Wars does. It has always done. It's it's like the people saying, you know, like I was saying before, when has has Star Wars been political? And I'm like. Oh, since seventy-seven. Yeah, no, I mean that was that. Truthfully, that that whole scene was kind of pulled out of some things in our world today, without a, without a doubt. But, oh, oh, yeah, totally. But I also think it's. I mean, it, you'd it, have to be you'd have to be a blind, stupid person to be like. But I, also think it, I think it fit very well with with the storyline that they're telling and the aspect yeah. that we are seeing the empire really crack down after the events of the heist because they don't want somebody to do that again and they want to squash anything that's happening. And it's doing exactly what South Skarsgård character wanted was creating... Yes, it's making things horrid for people, but it's also creating more dissent towards the Empire. Right. So it's creating... It's festering. It's fermenting. Ah, There's that word from those, you know... Mm-hmm. Or rent a cops the, the empire was outsourcing. It's fermenting, you know, more pockets of the rebellion that Mon Mothma eventually leads. Yeah, and I think I think this is like I said, where you're going to start seeing some of the splits in the uh, way the rebellion is handled. But I think it's very realistic too. You know, the the worse you see of the war crimes or the crimes of the establishment, the more chance you have of Getting the people to rise up. Right. Now, now by splits, do you mean uh, the kind of uh, stuff that we saw in the conversation of Rebels between Saw and Mon, or the whole in Rogue One where, uh, you know, Saw has clearly gone off on his own direction at that point? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Are, are those the splits you're talking about? Yeah. Those kind of splits. Yeah. Ah, I see. Yeah, very, very real stuff. So. Uh, oh, I, I think so. A lot of people, like I, I said, think these next five, a lot of fans may need therapy afterwards. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think there's some fans who are definitely 
going to be dealing with some stuff that I can, I can I can hear. Star Wars is supposed to be my escapism from everything. Right. And, well, the story they're telling is the story of the rebellion and why they rebelled and... You you you've got to see all those sides. It's not it's not as simple as good versus evil here. Well, but see, I'm glad you brought that up because this is why I'm so glad for this show because it shows exactly what I think. Okay, take out the poor twelve year olds line, right? Mm-hmm. Take that out for a second. Something called Star Wars, and if George Lucas had been anybody else, any kind of other, you know, filmmaker at all, not what well, not what we have, but anybody else, I think this would have been exactly injected right into the middle of uh, his stuff. No, I agree. If he if if he really were any other director, he would have shown that. Now. Do I think he got a little gun-shy because, well, you know what? It was 77. The world was in a little bit of a... Different place? Interesting spot. Yeah. Yeah, Things let's just say different. interesting spot. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that tricky dick fella did a, quite a number on things. Yeah. Well, like I said, it, the world was in a much different place and sensibilities than it is at this time today. But. So, so if you look at, well, this is true, but that's a whole other conversation. But, um, so if you look at this show, right, and you think of the brilliance of it and how much better the 4, 5, and 6 would have been had this kind of stuff been layered into it. Well, and I, th I think that's, well, but what I'm getting at, though, is if you remove that, right, mm -hmm. then what you're left with is the, you know, obviously the fun adventure, and we enjoy watching it, but you're left with a very neutered, safe uh, version of a war and a conflict, and that, in a nutshell, is, um, you know, George Lucas's Star Wars. So here's the thing with that, and I think I think it's a double-edged sword here because. Sorry, I'm just I had to make that case. No, no, I but I think I think it's 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 an important conversation to have, especially with Andor, because I, as phenomenal as I believe Andor is, and yeah. I, think, I I truly believe it's phenomenal. I think it's right right now, probably the second best show. That Disney Plus has done for Star Wars. Some people might. Oh, even it say is. It's the first yeah, best. yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's here's the here's the opposite side of this Andor thing. Okay. Yes, we're getting into the nitty gritty. We're getting into the down and dirty. We're seeing the political backstabbing. We're seeing the darker side of the rebellion. And for a lot the of Game us, Game of that, Thrones aspect of it, right? As it were. And, and for a lot of us, that's minus the sex. Yeah. Well, for a lot of us though that have mature and grown older, these are the things we want to see because we under have an understanding of the world. Right. Yeah. But. I think here's the one thing that's kind of sad as we that we lose for every one of these things like Andor that's created or something that fills in those gaps a little bit too, David, is mm -hmm. we lose that special innocence that the original trilogy has. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Now, I agree with that in also in knowing the fact that this is... This is a show that grew up as its audience grew up. Yeah. You know? Now, if you go back to, um, and and granted, a hot button issue, I know. I'm not, you know, making it. I'm not, we're not going down that rabbit hole because we'd be here all night. But if you go back to the sequels and go back to The Force Awakens, right? Mm-hmm. Your audience grew up. Star Wars didn't. No, Star Wars. Star Wars has not grown up. To me, the first sign of Star Wars growing up was Rogue One. Right, but but you see what I mean by that comparison? Oh yeah, I I I, I see it completely because I love I really the Force Awakens, but your audience was grown up over here, and Star Wars was here in its little not grow up zone. So. 
I th- this brings up an interesting point because I think it's also one of the things that affects the sequel trilogy was I, I truly do believe in this aspect. Okay. I think Ryan Johnson tried to grow up Star Wars. Oh, he did, yeah. But the problem was it was in the middle of the sequel, sequel, sequel trilogy that already had its direct already kind of had a direction and then when you bring back JJ and what he did with Rise it just it makes it feel that much more out of place where with Andor this grown up feeling of Star Wars because we already got a bit of taste of it with Rogue One mm. just feels more of a natural progression I think what Ryan I think that's what's happened with Ryan Johnson too is the aspect of yes he tried to grow up Star Wars but he did it with characters we already truly loved instead of giving us something new to build on and grow Star Wars with, like what they've done with Cassian. Right, right, they, yeah. They they try they try to grow up the characters we knew as children in an awkward way. Right. I think what you're getting at is in in Cassian's case it's the it's the safer play to do because it's a character that's only been around, you know, what, six years since Rogue One? And and, and the and the story that introduced us to Cassian was a much more mature story than what we got got introduced from Kahan well, yeah. and Luke and, and, and also let's not let's you know not blame belay let's not go gloss over the point that uh, this is almost like you know the opposite effect of Clone Wars to the prequels where you know Andor to Rogue One is almost like a reverse engineering because we know the fate of the character. Yeah, and but I, th- I think the the other thing though that as it, much like Clone Wars added to the prequel trilogy and made it better. I think when it's all said and done, what we're going to have seen in Andor is going to make what we see in Rogue One and some of it make more sense and be that much more impactful with that character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that's why the conversation will be very interesting after season two, going from one to two. Have they said two officially? Do we know this? Two is official, 12 more episodes. Okay. So going from one to two, right to Rogue One. Yeah. Which, well, that's, uh... which at the end of the day, we can call Rogue One and or season three. Yeah. Well, I mean... Here's the other thing, and you know, I know this hasn't been our usual format to talk about this show. And we 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 said it when we started covering Andor. We can't this the way this show is structured and the way this show is. It feels like it's just doing it a disservice to talk about it episodically. Right. Because, I actually like this format a lot better, though. Well, I I do, I do too because I think of the impact that Andor is having. Because yeah. I I truly do believe Andor is changing Star Wars. Oh, I agree, definitely. Yeah. And I think with if you're try when you're when you're looking at the story of Andor, there's so much going on, and you try to fit it into an episodic bottle when you try, when you podcast about it. I just feel like you're doing it and just the service to just focus on that particular. Yeah, episode. it it doesn't work to you know talk about this show episodically like, like, because there's too there's much just... tying. There's too much thread points from start to finish. Right, there's just too much going on. This isn't... The best way I can compare this to is if you were to compare this to Obi-Wan, where, yes, you have an overarching storyline, but each episode still feels a bit self-contained. Yeah. With with Andor, because of its slow-burn nature, each episode just feels like it's melding into the next. You know, I I would have wanted, uh, you know, Kenobi to go in this kind of slow burn format, but I also realized that if it did, I think a lot of fans would have canceled their Disney Plus spending entire episodes on Tatooine. Well, I think not just, even if they're not spending the entire episodes on Tatooine, just go with that slow burn when people, people just were anxious to get to certain points with Kenobi. And I think, right. again, that that comes back to the aspect of that I talked about earlier is I think one of the problems people are having with Andor is we've lost our patience with shows. We don't – we want the payoff now. Yeah, no, later. I agree. You were saying that at the top of the program, yeah. And I, I think that's – again, that comes back to 
I'm hoping Andor teaches a few people a lesson because I think when it's all said and done, we're going to walk away from the season of Andor just kind of going, wow. Absolutely, absolutely. And so it's just been, it's just an enjoyable ride. Everything so far, every different angle, every different storyline that's going through Andor, I think is highly intriguing. And it's, the acting has been phenomenal. And it's just, you know, I'm so intrigued by what, direction Andor is going to take next. True. True. I am too. Well, Gain, that'll bring us to the end of uh, the latest episode for Fulcrum, A Case for Rebellion, covering episode 6 and episode 7. And, you know, just, you know, talking Star Wars in general, that's what we do. Little housekeeping note on the next regular episode of Fandom Awakens Radio on the flagship show, we will be covering in one fell swoop, one shot, because honestly, I would have preferred it to be a different show, but we'll get into that when we get into it, Kyle. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will be covering uh, Tales of the Jedi. Everywhere there is life, but you must face death. Honor it. Do not fear it. Jedi. Ahsoka is Jedi. The best way I can protect you is to teach you how to protect yourself. Master Dooku. I want to bring peace and order to the galaxy. Master, stop! It is the only way you will truly have victory. My Padawan. Again. Again. Dooku, stand down. about the coming darkness. Let's hope all that training pays off. And who might you be? No, not those old comic books, although I kind of wish an animated series would be made of those old comics. Uh, there was some great stuff in there. But is, no... Is, uh, it, is, it, is it just me, though, or is this show not getting a ton of hype? Um, it's not just you. I feel like Vision's got more hype than Tales of the Jedi has been getting. Right. It's not just you. Uh, okay. But we'll, again, we'll we'll get into that when we get into that in our... Very special um, Marvel-esque special presentation, a special podcast discussion, one shot, another Clone Wars era scoop. More more getting us ready for Ahsoka? Yeah, I know, I know. Hey, y'all were upset when, uh, when... Ahsoka went the Rosario Dawson way, but guess what? Ashley's, you know, at least voicing some more for you. Yep, exactly. We can have the best of both worlds, guys. Yeah. And let me just say, the class of these two women, I'll just point out, is so, you know, so tact, so special, so warm, so loving. That is something fans could stand to learn from. Yeah, if they, if they can just get past certain subjects, but that's that's a whole other story. Yeah, you and you and I both know though that it is a true fact. Oh yeah. I don't I don't care how many times fans want to rewrite history. Yep, I agree. But 
But anyway, gang, we will be back in three weeks reviewing uh, Andor episodes 8, 9, and 10. And then, of course, two weeks after that, Kyle and I will be back to do the uh, season one wrap-up with episode 11 and 12. I'm I'm just gonna say before before we get to that though you know considering the timing of those I may be too full of turkey to properly podcast I'm just a forewarning people now. Well, well <laughs> you know what? Full of okay. First of all, you're 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 kind of a turkey bird anyway, Bell. It's Second all that tryptophan, man. What's that? It's all that tryptophan in the turkey gonna knock me out. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why I don't eat turkey anymore. Oh, well, you know, I'll let you have the blue milk and blue cereal. Oh, God, don't you dare. He loves his booberry, ladies and gentlemen. Reason I don't eat turkey anymore, gang, a lot of women over the years have called me a turkey and it stuck. Well, you That's know. literally the story, it stuck. I, I thought it had to do with some radio station in Cincinnati, but that's... Oh, stop it. <laughs> Not some radio tower, one of my Michael Myers, please. Well, you know, I, 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 I swear by the Lord above me, I thought turkeys could fly. Yeah, 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 all right. Yeah. I, I think they call that pigs. Well, what, 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 do Minox fly? I can't remember. Ah, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's canon somewhere, maybe in a book. Yeah, probably. <laughs> all right, gang, well, we will see you next time. Only here on Fulcrum, A Case for Rebellion. So until then, may the force be with you. Thanks for listening to Fulcrum, A Case for Rebellion, a Fandom Awakens Radio spinoff podcast covering Star Wars and or streaming exclusively on Disney+. Lucasfilm and all things Star Wars are subsidiaries of the Walt Disney Company. All rights reserved. To steal from the Empire? You just walk in like you belong. They're so proud of themselves. So fat and satisfied. They can't imagine that someone like me would ever get inside their house. Cassian Ander. The Empire is choking us so slowly. We're starting not to notice. What I'm asking is this. Wouldn't you rather give it all to something real? I need all the heroes I can get. For the greater good. Call it what you will. Let's call it War. There's fermenting out there, son. Pockets of fermenting. You're in my net. Are you a fish? Or are you a thief? You're slipping. <laughs> I'm not slipping. I've just been hiding for too long. Everyone thinks I'm an irritation. There's a good chance they'll miss what I'm really doing. What are you really doing? This is what revolution looks like. I'm tired of losing. Fandom Awakens Radio is meant for informational purposes only, and infringement is not intended.